As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod, the Athletics Big 12 football podcast. I'm Jason Kersey. He's Max Olson. We're back for a second time this week, Max. It's a, it's a big week. It's a two-for-one week. That's right. It is. It is. We, uh, you know, we, we recapped the Big 12 championship game uh, earlier this week. Uh, this time we're going to do a bowl preview episode. Before we get started, Max, I want to wish you a very happy Festivus, the greatest holiday in the world. Um, Seinfeld fans will know. Uh, what that's all about. So I don't know if you have any grievances you need to air uh, about me or about anything else. You know, feel free. Go, I mean, go for to it. to quote the late great um, Frank Costanza, "Until you pin me, Jason, Festivus is not over." <laughs> it's my it's my favorite episode of Seinfeld, and I'm a Seinfeld freak. But that one is number one. You know, yeah, I, I don't know strike. if I ever showed you. I don't know if I ever showed you this. People can't see it, but I have this little figurine, Frank Costanza, with a festivus Frank holding in my it. office. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a festivus freak. Uh, even last year at the Peach Bowl, me and the rest of the OU beat writers actually went to Home Depot and got an aluminum pole and celebrated festivus. How did so, you ce- How yeah. did you celebrate that? Well, we aired grievances in mostly a uh, good natured way. Okay. Mostly. Um, and then we, uh, did some arm wrestling as feats of strength <laughs> and That's really uh, all good. this taking place with alcohol flowing in the hospitality room. You know how those things are. Sure. Sure. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's tremendous. I, I, that'd be a good group of people to do it with too. I'm sure. N- no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But, uh, Max, we got some bowls to talk about here. Um, the, uh, the big 12 has six, six teams in bowls and we'll try to go through, go through all of them. Um, I don't know. What do you say? Let's start with the cheese at bowl, Max. Oklahoma State against Miami. Uh, the Cowboys will have Tylen Wallace, which I think, which really surprised me. I don't yep. know if that surprised you. Yep. Uh, that he he has decided, even though he missed the last regular season game with an injury, he has decided to play. Um, that's that's huge for Oklahoma State. Hey, uh, that's that's Tylen Wallace. I'm not surprised. The kid's a baller. He just wants to play. I mean, that's kind of how he's always been. Um, you know, I thought it was a thought it was a bummer that he got left out for Blitnikoff finalist. Um, I know that the you know the stats weren't 
you know, I mean, no, no one's taking that away from Devonte Smith this year, obviously, but um, mm-hmm. I thought he, him coming back from injury this year, I think was one of the, kind of the underrated storylines of college football. Just he was awesome, and uh, so happy for him that he's he's doing that. And um, you know, Oklahoma State Miami is um, it's a pretty interesting at eighteen verse twenty one here. Um, I, I it's hard to know kind of what we're gonna get from both sides. And I think that probably is a problem with bowl season in general here as we dive into this, Jason, is just who's playing, who's not playing, how much do these right. teams care? The fact that, you know, usually bowl season, like teams usually want to get to this because they want, you know, coaches want the 15 practices to, you know, improve your program to, to like an extra spring ball, you know, to make up for what they lost this year. Right. And so the fact that, you know, the first big 12 bowl game is, Tuesday, the December 29th. I mean, you know, they're not, the team's not changing that much between, you know, now and then before you go play these games. So I, I don't, I, I don't do you, like, as we get into picks later on, like, I don't know that I have a great sense for what we're going to see from these teams. Heck no, no. I mean, I don't have a great sense on a weekly basis, what I'm going to see from Oklahoma state specifically. Yeah. So I don't know. So, it, and it's even more so in the bowl. So no, I, I, it's very difficult to pick these things. I mean, Chuba Hubbard's not playing um, for Oklahoma Devin State, Jenkins obviously. Devin Jenkins is not playing. Devin Jenkins is not playing. Jelani Woods has, has entered the transfer portal. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, that are uh, that are not going to be there. Uh, and Miami, a couple of uh, big Miami defenders have, have declared for the NFL draft as well. So there's going to be a lot of guys missing in this game. For sure. You, should we bring on our producer, Mike, to recap Miami for us? I don't know if he wants to, but we can. We can ask him. <laughs> Do I have to? <laughs> Mike, you got some. I know you care about the Canes, Mike. You got some. You got some thoughts on this cheese bowl? I mean, I can only speak on behalf of of Miami's side because you know I've, I've watched every game. I, I can't really speak on Oklahoma State, but in terms of Miami, okay. secondary is very weak. Um, the linebacking core is the weakest part of Miami's defense. Defensive line was mm-hmm. the only thing really keeping their their defense somewhat. Got some studs up. For yeah, them. I mean Jalen yeah. Phillips, Quincy Roche. Two of the best defensive ends in the country, most likely going to both be um, first-round picks. Uh, mm-hmm. Both have declared for the draft, will not play in the bowl game. So the defense is 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 very weak at this moment. Susceptible yes. at this um, point. And, yes. and I was actually uh, talking to Jason before before starting this pod, and I said the only way Miami stays in this game is if De'Ara King puts the team on his shoulders and scores forty to fifty points, and. That's a tough ask. So I, I I don't know whether or not Miami can actually do that, but I I would be very surprised. I'll say this: I'd be very surprised if it was if Oklahoma State didn't put up at least thirty points against this Miami team. Okay, okay, that's that is great intel, Mike. We we appreciate that. It, it's a it's a great point on King. Um, and obviously, Jason, you saw him last year when he was at Houston playing against Oklahoma. I'm sure that these games against Big Twelve teams you know, do matter to him as a kid from the state of Texas, uh, from Manville. Like, you know, I guess that's probably the way you sell Miami's chances here, right? Is if Derek King just goes off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think there's also a chance that Oklahoma State comes out and, and turns the ball over. I mean, we've seen Spencer Sanders uh, be very turnover prone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oklahoma State has 16 turnovers this season as a team, which uh, I think is 97th, tied for 97th in the FBS. Um, so they're they're a team that tends to turn the ball over, and so if they do that a few times, I mean, who knows uh, what might happen? I, I I do think that Oklahoma State should be the favorite. I'm a little surprised by the two point line, though. I figured it would be a little bit wider than that. 
Well, I think the other thing that is, since these are so soon after the season ended, I think an interesting factor for some of these games is, you know, sort of the, the, the sour taste some of these teams have coming out of the regular season. I think Oklahoma State losing that game to TCU – um, you know, I, I, I'm sure that there's, there's some motivation here to go out and play a lot better game. That was a game they gave away after forcing as many turnovers as they did, as well as they played, um, you know, obviously, uh, a lot of mistakes in that one. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, I, I think this team probably rallies from that standpoint and, and wants to finish this on a better note. And, um, you know, once, once the, maybe the, the, the memory 2020 is as hard as this season was to be that this was still a really damn good team. You know, it, it is, it is a good team. It's a very talented team. I, I there's no doubt that people in Stillwater are very disappointed. Sure. Uh, particularly I think by the Bedlam loss, not just that they lost, but they, they got embarrassed in that game again. Um, I, I know that that probably put a sour note on the season. You don't have Chuba Hubbard, um, but this is still a very talented team, a very talented defense. Um, and you know, I, I think they've got a, I mean, we'll, we'll get into our picks a little bit more later, but I mean, I, I think Oklahoma state's going to win this game. I, I would be very surprised if they, yeah, did. I think so too. We, we should note for the listener, you know, this is not the cheese it bowl, cheese it bowl. This is a cheese it bowl out in Florida. We got a little stolen valor here. Basically. This is not a game oh. that we're going to get to watch at uh, 11 PM, uh, on a, on a, you know, weeknight here and, and see some, some crazy yes. shit happen like we did with TCU Cal back in the day. No, and uh, I, I'm actually quite triggered by that's a festivist grievance right there. Yeah, that that you can't just switch things up like that, you know. Especially this bowl. I'm sorry to all the people who work on that bowl if you're listening, but I covered that bowl once when it was called the Russell Athletic Bowl. I called it the Walmart Sweatpants Bowl. Yeah, because that's about rightfully so the value that you got from it. It was a terrible experience, terrible bowl game to cover. <laughs> um, uh, the OU beat it's legendary on the OU beat. We talk about it all the time. So it's not, I, I don't think it's fair that the Walmart sweatpants bowl gets to call itself the cheese it bowl, you know, given the history of the cheese it bowl, but that's my, there, there's my festivist grievance for the day. There you go. I like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's important to note that I, I want people to, you know, I don't want any false advertising here about what kind of cheese it bowl we're getting. Although look with the way these teams are set up. Um, I think Oklahoma state is still going to play really good defense in this game, but Maybe we could have a pretty, pretty wacky, you know, scoring fest. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. Uh, let's move on to the next I mean, one, I mean, Alamo. Uh, yeah, the Horns are back in the Alamo. Um, last year they uh, had the decisive win over Utah, um, which you know helped the 2020 train get rolling for Texas. Uh, now they are back where they were in San Antonio uh, as a 10 point favorite against Colorado. Colorado is a uh, is a weird team. I don't know how many Big Twelve fans actually watched uh, their former Big Twelve school play this year. Uh, Colorado, I I thought they'd be screwed this year. To be honest, like they were the last to hire a coach in this right. whole cycle. I hired uh, Carl Durrell from the NFL, a hire that people I think generally kind of shrugged about. And what did he do? You know, at, th- this is a coach who get, gets to Colorado. And within weeks, they shut the whole thing down because of the pandemic. This guy mm-hmm. doesn't even like know his players by the time they're going off for for you know no spring ball. And what does Colorado do? Um, they go four and one in in his first year. And uh, if not for uh, that one loss, you know they would have been tied with USC um, and had a case to to be in the Pac-12 title game. So uh, 
you're just five games. It's 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 really weird. Um, but if anybody uh, watched them this year, they, they they saw this team can run the ball and and is pretty good. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, and I I have to own it myself. I was very skeptical of that hire when it was made. I mean, you know, to me, I, I thought about oh Carl Durrell, the guy who was like, eh, at UCLA right. like yeah. years ago. I hadn't even thought about him in years, you know. And I I uh, I was a little bit surprised by that hire. Um, and but you're right, he did. I mean, that just sucks for for him especially. You know, a new head coach going in, and, and the fact that they were able to win four games and, and only lose one is very impressive. Um, the interesting thing too is Texas uh, has a bunch of players who have opted out. I mean, yeah, the, the, a lot of good players. I've kind of lost track of, of of how many good players uh, have opted out for for Texas. It's true. Uh, they just had another one yesterday um, when uh, Brennan Eagles, their uh, leading receiver. Um, made the decision. I would say, yeah, a little bit of a surprising decision. Not su- not surprising in terms of Brendan Eagles' mindset, but surprising in terms of his production this year. Um, that he's he's going to skip this bowl and and go pro. Um, interesting player. I when I talked to Tom Herman in the the summer about Texas, I asked him what the ceiling was for Brendan Eagles. He said first rounder. Um, I don't think he played like that this year. Um, but this is going to be a guy that I think goes to the combine and and tries to impress people with the measurables, maybe more than the um, you know, more, more than what he put on tape this year. Uh, it just wasn't very consistent. But that's another player missing for Texas. Um, they're going to have a very young offensive line in this game just based on who they're missing. Um, I, you know, <laughs> it's it's an interesting spot. And certainly, I think it goes without saying that the pressure on Tom Herman is not really gone. Right. You know, if they lay an egg in this one... Um, I don't want to go this far, but if they lay an egg in this one and just get smoked by Colorado, like there could still be a coaching change at Texas. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's fair though? I mean, after they've sort of come out and, and said kind of sort of that he's coming back and they're losing <laughs> all these guys. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say they've thrown all their, all their support. Not all of it, but, but you no. know, there was that statement that was pretty ambiguous and, and, and all of those things. Yes. So, yeah. Well, look, I, I think, um, Interestingly, I th- I think what happened at Auburn is probably a good warning to Texas. Mm. Um, not to say that Auburn made a bad hire in Brian Harson. It was a surprising hire. I didn't see out of nowhere that outcome coming at yeah. all. Um, but the number of coaches who reportedly turned down that job or or backed out of the process or whatever um, probably should be like a little bit concerning. To Crystal County of hey, if I go through this, 
who, you know, who can we get and how many people are going to publicly tell us no, because it's not a great look. Um, right. You know, can you get somebody lined up um, before you start the search, which is what Auburn did not do. And you, you thought they're going to just promote Kevin Steele. So that was wacky to watch, but I, I feel like that almost weirdly gives Tom Herman more security the way that Auburn went down, which to me, Auburn is a, certainly a top 10 to top 15 job. Yeah. I mean, if you can't get I mean, who, who would they have to be able to get Matt Campbell? Would they have to be able to get Matt Campbell? Somebody on that level? I, I mean, I, I, I mean, don't know. I, well, what, you know, and part of that with is just like how high do you have to, you know, aim to, to impress everybody yeah. too. And that, that's not how things should be done. It's not what Auburn did ultimately, but um, you know, that there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen in Texas. There's a lot of people who want, who are going to want their guy or, or want input on it and stuff. So I'm not saying this is going to happen. I think Texas certainly could just roll against Colorado yeah. and this is all moot, yeah. right? Um, well, I, but it is important. Yeah. It's an important game. Um, it's not, uh, you know, Texas and six, Texas is six and three. Um, I don't know that this game totally changes the, uh, you know, this is an unranked Colorado team. It's not like this, you know, it's not like the Utah game where you can sort of hold it up and say, hey, look, here's how good we really were. You know, it's just... It's it's just a game they have to try to survive. If they lose, it will be what the tenth or so straight season of, of losing four games in a season. I mean that. Oh, probably. I mean probably they, right. they've lost four games every year since 2011. So maybe that streak ends. Maybe that's something to be positive about if they're able to win. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, but I I, I will also say that uh, I I think Texas is going to win because of Sam Ellinger. I just don't believe Sam Ellinger is going to let them lose his last game. I I just don't. Yeah. I mean, I know that sounds sort of simple, but that's how I look at this game. He just, it, I I feel like he wouldn't be able to live, (laughs) live with it for the rest of his life. If he lost (laughs) his last game, you know? So. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. That may, that may be like all the analysis that's necessary in terms of this game, not to say like Colorado's good. And, um, you know, I think, um, you know, Jarek Broussard had a, had a really good season. Uh, they're running back who has run for 800 yards in, uh, in five games. I mean, he's, he's had an awesome year. Um, I, I think that, I think you're probably right though. I mean, I think it's, it's Sam Ellinger putting the team on his back as he, as he tends to do. And, and, you know, them look, as you saw against K state, I mean, I think we can pretty much take a, take a, take a guess here at how Texas is going to play this. It's going to be about, you know, Robinson and Johnson um, and just feeding them the ball. And uh, you know, the way Texas ran the ball against K state, I think is, is a pretty easy thing to build on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Max. uh, All right, let's move to the next game, which is the featuring the Big 12 champion, Oklahoma, uh, in the Cotton Bowl against number six, Oklahoma, against number seven, Florida. Uh, Probably uh, the sexiest matchup outside of the playoff, maybe maybe of all the bowls. Um, Really exciting. I think so. Really interesting game for a ton of reasons. And for me, I, I think this worked out perfectly for Oklahoma. This is what I wrote earlier this week on The Athletic. I think it worked out perfectly. They don't. This Oklahoma team didn't belong in the playoff. Let's, I mean, let's be honest. They, they would not have been able to compete with Alabama this year. But if they can go down there and play well and compete with Florida, a, a, another higher-tier SEC team, I think that gives them a lot of momentum going into next year. So I think this worked out great. Yeah, it, it does. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, when Texas played Georgia in that Sugar Bowl, you remember there was the whole – uh, you know, Georgia didn't want to be here. They they wanted to be in the playoff. They just missed out. The motivation's not there. 
Um, I would hope people. I, I would hope that's not the case for Florida. They just played their asses off against Alabama mm-hmm. and had a chance to beat the number one team in the country and did a lot of things right. And really, um, I thought Trask and, and Pitts and Tony were fantastic in that game. Um, you know, they were so so close. And so, um, I would hope they show up for this one. I, I would hope it's not a matter of. I know Kyle Pitts has opted, you know, opted to move on to the NFL. Um, hopefully we can all get him on our fantasy teams next year. Cause that guy's a monster and, uh, it's going to be really, really special. I should get dibs but, because of in our league, how bad my team is. I should get dibs on Kyle. Pitts. I just want to say <laughs> Jason, that. Jason is last in the, in the fantasy, the fantasy league in the athletic. Uh, I've been bumped out of the playoffs, uh, as, as the three seed, which was, it was, it was pretty upsetting. Uh, we, we had a, we had a rough finish there. I lost, uh, I lost Will Fuller and, and, and uh, Joe Mixon and Antonio Gibson. Uh, needed those guys. That would have helped. Them, yeah. Um, yeah um, let's not get into that, though. You're going to get me. Now, now that's we're going to get some, some grievances going there if we want to talk about that. At least you made um, the playoffs, man. I know. At least I made the playoffs. <laughs> um, yeah, it, Pitts, is, Pitts is phenomenal. Um, he, he was again against Alabama. Again, this is an interesting sort of uh, uh, turnaround here. Um, where Florida goes right from playing for an SEC championship to getting ready for Oklahoma is their heart in it. Um, but I think it's a pretty it's a pretty awesome opportunity for Oklahoma. I, I agree with you to uh, you know really get a pretty a, a pretty defining win for Spencer Rattler uh, for this football team um, to to start building towards another playoff run. It reminds me a little bit of for, for, from the OU side of 2016, when OU loses two games early in the season, uh, fall, yeah. falls out of the rankings. People think they're dead. Oh, they it's come, just like that. They come back and win yeah. the Big 12, miss out on the playoff. Now they get to play an SEC team in a big bowl. And they beat Auburn convincingly, and that yeah. propelled them into the next season. Where they should have won it Where all. Where they should yeah, have won sure. it all. That's right. Yeah, I would so, say. That. Um, um, no, you're right. That that Auburn game is is a pretty good uh, pretty good comp here. Um, do you think that uh, you know based on the Oklahoma you saw on Saturday? I don't know where. where how are you feeling about like? I, I know that was a really good opponent, and so part of that plays into how close it was. But like you know, the way Oklahoma plays a, a close four quarter game against Iowa State. Florida goes toe to toe with Bama. Like, is there any kind of concern that hey, is is Oklahoma kind of ready for? Well, this? we're about to find out. I think how good this defense is. Like, really, how yeah. good is this defense? They've ranked all year, or at least the last several weeks, as one of the top defenses in the country. But this is a challenge, unlike anything they've seen this year. Um, unlike, oh, it, I mean, Florida was burning some very good. Oh, I, yeah. on, on Alabama. Yeah. You know, the other well, night. and and that's you know they're going to attack you with. <clears throat> you saw it against Georgia when they just murdered Georgia on wheel routes by running backs and stuff like that. Um, you know, I think the, the the scheme part of this and just the way that Florida gets their guys out in space, I think is going to be a real challenge for Alex Gray. Well, and, uh, you know, we haven't even mentioned it yet, but one of Oklahoma's best defensive backs, Trey Brown, uh, cornerback the hero of, of the last three Big 12 championship games, uh, has opted out of the bowl game and, and will enter the NFL draft. So that's going to be a big, interesting opportunity for, that, for – That's kind of the – he did the Costanza, that's it for me, yeah. <laughs> you know, after after the way he finished that yeah, game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Alex Grinch referred to it yesterday as a walk-off home run. Um, yeah, but yeah, but, 100%. Yeah, but so now this is going to be really interesting because you've got Woody Washington there, redshirt freshman who's played a lot this year, but then you've got DJ Graham, a true freshman, who's been playing a ton. I think they're really excited 
excited about him, but this is a it's a major moment for him, uh, it, you know, in, against this offense. And and then the other side of that is if Florida starts scoring a bunch of points, can Spencer Rattler and this OU offense keep up? I can't believe we're saying that about an OU offense, but sure, can they keep up, or can this would this thing turn ugly quickly? Yeah, it's this is fun. This is not. You know, when we talk about a, uh, like when we talk about an 18 playoff, this is like an 18 playoff kind of game, isn't it? In terms of, uh, in terms of like the kind of, mm-hmm. these teams are not in the final four, but they're, they're pretty close. Yeah. You know, they're pretty close. And, uh, so, um, I, I like this matchup. I, I think it's, it's a good point, you know, for Graham and Washington and some of those guys. I know all season we want to, we, we like to say, Hey, let's, let's see them you know, roll them out and see what they can do. Right. Yeah. This is a hard team to do that against yeah. because of the way that Tony and Grimes and, and their, their playmakers, even without pits um, and, and, you know, can, 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 can do big things. And, and certainly Trask has, you know, he's fallen out of the, the Heisman conversation. It feels like, but boy, he had an awesome year. He did. He did. And Max, you know, in this day and age, it, you know, we don't really get the bulletin board material. I feel like white, like we used to, but sometimes, sometimes someone steps up and gives it to us. And yesterday, Florida linebacker James Houston did that. Uh, talked a little trash, gave us some great, uh, some great material. So we're gonna play this clip. This is Florida linebacker James Houston talking about Oklahoma. Oklahoma is is uh, a good matchup, but um, they're not. Uh, on our level, they're not SEC. They're not the Florida Gators. So um, we should uh, put on a good show. Woo! So how about that? I love it. I love it. Hey, you know, like as we're all sort of like wrestling with this idea of like how much do we care about these Bulls? I'm glad the kids do, right? I'm glad this guy is like, you know, calling a shot. That's great. I mean, it could work out great for him. It could work out uh, horribly for him. I guess, I guess we'll, I guess we'll find <laughs> out. But I love it. I love it. I wish there was more of it. Putting himself out there. Yeah, yep, I'm good with it. I'm good the with only that. thing Let's the see. only thing we're missing is if Bob Stoops was still the head coach, you know, his SEC stuff, that would have really, you know, with him saying. Oh, yeah. Bob was always good for yeah. Lincoln's more polite. Bob Bob's always good for some some shots on yeah. that, that topic. Yeah. Let's move to the next one. We got the Liberty Bowl on Thursday, the 31st. Uh, we have a little bit of a change up with this one. West Virginia is not playing Tennessee. Um, who is dealing with COVID issues and who knows, maybe a coaching change. Mm-hmm. And then instead they're playing army, which is a, uh, it's a different team to prepare for than Tennessee. Um, I would say uh, probably, I don't know if it's a better or worse team, but it's a very different challenge to do on. Again, you don't get even the teams that have had 15 practices to get ready Either either in in uh, preseason camp or at the end of the year for for an option team like this, they still have a hard time. Yeah. Well, before we get into the matchup, let's just can we just say this is justice is what happened here. Yes. This is justice. Oh what happened here? It, it Army is nine and two, and because of stupid bowl contracts and all this bullshit, they were going to be kept out of a bowl game at nine and two in favor of all these two three win SEC teams, Tennessee being one of them, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm not happy that Jeremy Pruitt and his players have COVID. Let me just be very clear about that. Uh, But I am happy that Army gets to play in a bowl game because of all the teams for us to screw over as a college football world. Can we not do it to Army? Yeah, literally. (laughs) It's it's just ridiculous. That that was the thing on Sunday that 
made me madder than anything yeah. in terms of if we're if we're airing grievances. That was the thing that frustrated me the most of just what are we doing? Why is South Carolina with two wins in a bowl game, but no one can find room for Army? It just doesn't it just it's just a it shows just how ridiculous the the system is and how it's all tied to these partnerships and stuff like that. It, it so w- I'm glad it worked out. I'm not you know, you certainly don't wish that upon Tennessee, but um, well you know, I'm I'm glad it happened. And look, this is this, that was a Tennessee team that was down to their third or fourth string quarterback. You know, they they took care of business against Vanderbilt, but they're they're checked out. They're done. Yeah. They, they don't they they don't care about a playing yeah. in a bowl game. And so this is a, a, a much tougher, well, I think, challenge to play an army yeah. team that's nine and two. That's probably a little pissed off that they got disrespected in all this, and uh, you know. It has a, a legitimately really good team under under uh, Jeff Monk. Well, uh, you know, you know Max, you you know me well. You know I tend to run a little hot sometimes, but sure do. And and, and there's often times when things uh, seem outrageous, but really you're just pissed off in the moment. This was a genuine outrage that Army was yeah. kept out of of a bowl game. Yeah, and so I'm glad that that got rectified. Now we know what Army can do to major conference teams, even really good ones. We saw it two years ago when they took OU to overtime in Norman and almost won. Uh, They did basically the same thing the next season to Michigan. This is a team that if you're not ready, uh, can really screw you up. And uh, averaging 281 rushing yards per game right now, number four in the country. West Virginia, though, has a really good run defense. Uh, So, but are they ready for this? This isn't running out of the shotgun. (laughs) This is an old-fashioned triple option. Yeah, and the thing that's so challenging when you play these games, um, and we saw it like really highlighted when Coastal played BYU, is you just are not going to have that many possessions. And so you have to go down and score when you do because they're probably going to control the clock and um, they may even double you up in terms of time of possession if, if, if what they're doing is working, if you can't get stops. So you've got to like you know, if you punt or, or throw an interception, you're like, you're, you could be in trouble, you know, in this, in this kind of a game, cause they can just smother you like that. So, um, I think West Virginia, I think there is a lot of motivation at this one. I, I know that the 42 to six loss, uh, at Iowa state, um, you know, I mean, it was incredibly frustrating. I, I think they know they've got it. They had a better team than that. That's a really better way to finish it. And then they didn't get to play Oklahoma, obviously. And so, um, I do think that they care about this one. They know that this is important in terms of taking that next step as you get ready for year three. And uh, it's, I think it's going to be a big deal to them, but you know, and I also like that they have, I mean, look, the way they've played defense this year gives you some confidence that um, they can find a way to get some stops. And with, you know, how well, um, you know, how well their dudes have have shown up in games. Uh, I know it's worth pointing out West Virginia is not going to have Tony Fields who, you know, they're, who, Certainly played at an All Big Twelve level this season after transferring from Arizona uh, at linebacker. Really, really good player. And so I don't know how, how much does that make you concerned that West Virginia's defense is, um, you know, going to have some issues in this one. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think certainly when you lose a player of that caliber, it's obviously going to be be a difference. I I'll tell you the thing about this game that interests me really I, the line West Virginia seven and a half. I, I can't believe that that's the line, honestly. With the way Army plays and how tight they play teams and how good they've been this year, I, I was a little surprised that the line is that big, to be honest. You were, you were thinking you were thinking you're taking you're taking Army there, right? Hell yeah, I'm taking Army. What? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, yeah. right? It makes sense. I'm I'm to, uh, you know, short notice to play a game like this. I mean, yeah. I, they're so difficult to prepare for when you never see anything like that. 
I I, yeah. I I just I don't know how. I think probably Neil Brown probably like maybe when they played Georgia Southern in, at in in the Sun Belt at Troy maybe he would have faced it that time but that's a while ago you know yeah. so yeah it's going to be a nice little challenge for that team. Um, let's go on to the Texas Bowl. Uh, I'm excited to get to our picks here in a little bit but we got two more games left. Texas Bowl also on December 31st that next Thursday. Arkansas TCU. Now, uh, Jason, you know a thing or two about this Arkansas team. Yep. Um, this is a this is a probably a sneaky good good matchup. Now, you know, it depends on just you know we we've kind of seen the good and the bad with these teams, right? So it depends who shows up. But um, I like this one. I, I love this game. I mean, this is a this is an old Southwest Conference game, first of all, which those are always cool when you see uh, former conference foes meeting back up. That may not mean much to people today. But I, I, I like that historical kind of stuff. Um, you know, they played a few years ago um, in in Fort Worth. There was a really great uh, overtime game between Arkansas and TCU in Bielema's second yeah. to last season. Um, yeah. The next year, TCU came to Fayetteville and beat them pretty convincingly. But um, but this Arkansas team has been so much fun to watch this year. They're they're the most fun three and seven team because of because of how bad they were last year and the year before. I. I I don't know that it, people who don't follow it closely like I did just because I lived there and covered them for a while. Um, yeah. That program was dead. I mean, they were as dead as any program in college football. I think Kansas might have given them a really good game last year. I'm uh, Seriously, I, or, or even beaten them last year. I mean, Arkansas. Well, look, they did. They did play terribly against a bunch well, of a bunch of G5. So, yeah. And Chad Morris's yeah, two that. seasons, they lost to North Texas, San Jose State, Western Kentucky, and somebody else they weren't supposed to lose to. I mean, it was a bunch of really uh, Colorado State, a bunch of yeah. bunch of losses they shouldn't yeah. have had. And so the the fact the fact that Sam Pittman has them playing so well, playing so hard. Um, they won three games in the SEC this year after not winning any in the previous two years. Uh, took LSU right down to the wire. Um, should have beaten Auburn. They got completely screwed in the game against Auburn. They sure did. So this is a team that's, that's pretty solid. And then you look on the other side, TCU, they've shown these flashes of being a really good, competent team. And then they've looked pretty bad at other times. And so um, I think this is a great matchup. You know, people will see the record and see three and seven. And I don't really think that reflects the improvement you saw from Arkansas. And obviously in a year like this, if you were playing non-conference games, they'd probably be closer to a five or six win team, I'm sure. Um, but um Man, what a they're they're good, and and the way that um, Grant Morgan and Bumper Pool and Jalen Catalan and the guys that they found on defense played this year, um, you know, really impressive. And then you know, at times, um, you know, they, they that offense under Kendall Bryles has 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 definitely shown some flashes of being pretty good with the way that Felipe Franks and, and Traylon Burks and some of the guys they found there have played. So. I, it's it's a it's a dangerous team. I, I would say you got to look past the record and say that this is a team that if they're in the Big Twelve, I think would probably be, you know, not far off from where TCU or, yeah. or, or Texas Tech or West Virginia or some of these teams ended up. Um, so it's a good matchup. And look, we don't we you know we don't know what we get from 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 TCU. They've they've lost um, Sonny Cumbie, who's now at Texas Tech, um, which I thought was a really really interesting move. Um, I think it kind of made a lot of sense on both sides. And um, I, I think that, 
I'm interested to see. I, I, I think they're probably just what they found in those last few games. I think is just run the damn ball. You know, I think they kind of figure out let's build around that and then take the shots with with Duggan and Johnson and some of the guys they have who can make plays downfield. But um, you know, this is this is I would not I would not treat these these hogs lightly. I think it's a good matchup for TCU. Yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, really, when you think about it, it's. I think it's one of the better perhaps bowl, uh, bowl games within the big 12. And there's a lot of good ones, but just in terms of a pure matchup, I think this one, this one's really exciting. I think it could be a fun game. Uh, they're on, uh, they're on new year's Eve. Yeah, I think so. Th- this, uh, it almost feels like this should be a cheese it bowl, you know? Yeah. An authentic cheese. It. If this was but- the real cheese it bowl, we might, you know, it might be, it might be crazy. Maybe it will be anyway. Maybe it'll be like a yeah a thirteen to ten kind of game, um, but um, it, yeah, I I'm, I think that one's worth watching. I, this ultimately, you know, and I think this kind of tends to happen most years. But the Big Twelve ended up with a pretty good bowl slate, I would say, of, of good opponents. You know? Absolutely, that, I think that brings us to our last one here, which is the Fiesta Bowl. Um, the Iowa State Cyclones are playing in a Fiesta Bowl. Do you ever think you'd see the day, Jason? No, not really. Um... You know, we talked about it with Randy Peterson a couple weeks ago, but I mean, this is a team that has been on the precipice of taking that next step so many times in, in my lifetime that I can remember. Paul Rhodes, Seneca Wall. I remember the Seneca Wallace year. It looked like, oh my God, they're about to they're about to take off, and and then that didn't happen really. But um, yeah. it's very cool. Those are such great fans. And again, I'll say the same thing I said last week. If uh, it, it sucks that Iowa State fans don't get to or a bigger number of them don't get to experience the Fiesta Bowl. It sucks that this had to be the year because they were, even the limited number of Iowa State fans were rocking Jerry World last week. They really were great. And uh, you imagine how much different that might have been. So I I feel bad for them, um, but I'm very very happy for Iowa State that they got that bowl bid. I know there's some... Maybe some controversy about about them getting that spot over over maybe some other teams, but I'm 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 thrilled for them. Yeah, I, I, to me it was a pleasant surprise. I, I I I sort of assumed Iowa State would end up, you know, back in the Alamo or back in the in the you know going out to Florida for the Cheese Bowl. So um, you know to to draw that New Year's Six bid, um, I think is is it speaks to you know what we saw all year, which is that. Um, the committee really respected this Iowa State team, is you they know did. so much so that uh, you know they kind of didn't really care about the Louisiana game that much and gave them a pass for it. And you know then you split with Oklahoma um, and came up short against Oklahoma State. But I, I think this is you know this Iowa State a year you know these last couple years they've gone to to bigger bowl games and have not really put together the kind of performance that that Matt Campbell wants to see. It's it's not been kind of the complete performance that is representative of what they can be or, or what they were during the season. Um, certainly, I think they were just outmatched against Notre Dame last year, and there's certainly no shame in that now, now that we know, hey, look, that Notre Dame team was was on its way to becoming a playoff team, right? But the year before, you lose to Gardner Minshew in Washington State in the uh, in the Alamo. This is a uh, this is a pretty – this is, a, I think, a, a big chance for Iowa State to finish the season on the right note, you know, and for Brock Purdy and these guys to – uh, correct some of the mistakes made against Oklahoma and to do so against a Oregon team that I think we're pretty sure they're good. Um, they were, it's just you know, hard they to were, know. Well, it's, you know, so they were three and two and uh, <laughs> got a spot in the Pac 12 title game. Uh, yeah. Which is a normal thing that happens in, in any, any given year, you know? Yeah. And so, um, 
you know, and then they took care of, they, they, it's a very talented team that took care of business against USC in that game. They, they're a team that's had just a ton of opt outs, um, to start the season from, from NFL caliber guys, obviously Panay Sewell, but a lot of guys on their defense too. And, um, still, you know, they've still got enough Kayvon Thibodeau and all American pass rusher. Um, he is I so good, by the way. So good. Holy yeah. cow. That guy's yeah. good. <laughs> He's uh, we'll we'll only be seeing him in a uniform in, in, at the college level for another year because that's a that's a three and out guy without a question. And I think I've I've enjoyed I've enjoyed what Joe Moorhead has done at, at Oregon in in the limited number of games this season as their OC. I, I like the direction he's taken them in. And look, now that the Cristobal speculation is kind of over, I, I could see this team being pretty locked in. Yeah, I do. You think there's any value in in for Iowa State, even though this is a weird year and Oregon's only four and two, going to a major bowl and playing against? I know they're not Ohio State, but Oregon is a brand. They're a national brand um, that's that's won a lot of games. That's been in the playoff before. Had a lot of really great players. I, I think even with a maybe. Uh, uh, with a roster that's been depleted a little bit, a team that hadn't played very many games, I think this is this is an this is an important opportunity for Iowa State to play against a team that is nationally respected. Um, I, I think about the way Kansas State used to be, where you know they would get in bowl games against you know these other conferences a lot of times, and they yeah. would lose. And Oregon is one of those. Uh, I remember in 2012, Correct. Kansas yep. State wins the Big 12 goes to the Fiesta Bowl and got beat pretty badly. And that was a Kansas State team that had been ranked number one at one or number one or number two at one point that's during right. that season. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, they never really did that. This would be a this would be a big step for them just to beat Oregon, I think. Yeah, and the one the one thing worth mentioning that just popped up while we were taping this is um, you know, Latrell Bankston, the really talented defensive tackle, uh the Ju- JUCO transfer who who made an impact for sure for Iowa State up front. He just went in the transfer portal this morning. A little bit of a surprise there. We'll, we'll yeah. kind of find out what more about what happened there and if Iowa State can, uh, you know, find a way to bring him back. But uh, that's a that's a pretty important important piece up there up front um, that uh, you know that, that's missing. Yeah, it, it is. That, I mean, that is that's big news. Yeah, that just happened right right here while we're sitting here <laughs> recording it. Um, but I, I don't I don't know that they can. Uh, you know, I, the portal's portal's crazy right now. So I don't I don't know that you get him back for this game or anything like that. But that's an interesting thing for, to solve there. Iowa State's still got some more time. You know, this game is on January second, so there's they do still have yeah. some time to get ready for this game. And uh, you know, I I would expect that this one really matters to them. I, not to say that the other yeah. ones didn't, um, but. In terms of cleaning things up from from the mistakes against Oklahoma, and you know, really, really trying to, you know, as Matt Campbell loves to say, be the best version of themselves and, and play a really clean game. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity and an opponent that is is definitely, you know, they they lost to Cal, they lost to Oregon State. It's it's a beatable team. Absolutely, it's a beatable team, and this is a good Iowa State team. This is a good Iowa State team, and and I agree with you. I think they will be motivated. I mean, this is a team that that has gone farther than any Iowa State team ever has before. They were right there with Oklahoma, um, right there. You know, they they don't throw three at Oklahoma, and so uh, I I think there's plenty yeah. to be motivated about. We know Brock Purdy is good. We know Brees Hall is good. We know Charlie Kohler and Xavier Hutchinson are good. This is a good team, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see them play in this one, and and I. I think they've got a real good shot to win. Well, you you want to get on to the picks then? Let's do it. The feats of strength. Right. Feats of strength. <laughs> uh, let's. Why don't you tell them the the record here, Jason? So look, do we have you, to? You got you got me. You got me on the Big Twelve title game. I think I, I think my pick was 
it was right, but it was wrong. Right? It was sound. <laughs> it was a good pick. It was it was sound logic. Just the final score didn't uh, didn't bear that out there in terms of uh, you know Iowa State covering. Uh, what was it? We I think we ended up at five and a half there. Yeah, five and a half. Yeah. It was close. Real it close. Was. It was uh, close. Almost a push. But but because of that, we we agreed last week that that would count for three because that gives me a chance to get back in it, and I am now within striking distance. Oh, you uh, sure are. Max is twenty five and twenty two. I'm now twenty one and twenty six so, again. That's um, so embarrassing. Max what shouldn't have agreed to the three game thing, or else I wouldn't have a chance to catch up. But that's your bad. I'm not going to let you take it back. Um, I'm, tanking. I'm tanking pretty hard right now. I, I again, I after getting cocky, I got cocky. And I said people should should bet my picks, and then ever since then it's been it's been uh, just a dumpster fire. Uh, yeah, but we're gonna so, rally. We're gonna yeah. rally for the holidays here. All right, so let's do it. Let's go through these. Um, Oklahoma State is a two point favorite against Miami in the Zombie Cheese It Bowl. Your thoughts? Let you go first. I will take the pokes covering the two. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. It, that's how, that's how you feel about Oklahoma state, right? You yeah. just, I think they'll show up. I, you know, they, and they, they did last year against A&M. I think they played a competitive game in that one when they got Sanders back. Um, I, I just think maybe Miami's just missing a little bit too much. I don't feel good about where Oklahoma state's offensive line is at certainly. And that you take Phillips and Roche out of it. I think that probably would be the thing that decided the game. When you when you're moving from it, I think Oklahoma State can get it done. Yeah. Um, now I'm a little. It's a little bit of an awkward thing for me because I I need to pick different than you on a bunch of these because then I have no chance to catch up if I don't. However, I want to pick Oklahoma State too, so I'm going to go ahead and do that on this one. I I just think that uh, given you know given the opt outs um, on, on the Miami mm-hmm. side and and given that Tylen Wallace is playing, I, I I will I will take Oklahoma State, but. That's we're not going to agree much, Max. Moving forward. Well, okay. Here's your chance. Here, why don't you why don't you hop on the hop on the buffs here at plus ten? You know, I will. I mean, they're unranked. I planned and on it. Texas loves to play down to their competition. They're playing an unranked team in a bowl game. They probably think this is going to be a, a breeze here. Um, this is a great chance for you to pick Colorado. I'm going to pick Colorado to cover, but Texas to win because, like I said earlier, I think that Sam Ellinger uh, will not let them lose this game. But I will pick Colorado mm-hmm. to cover. Okay, I'll take Texas, um, the minus ten, and just to just to help help you out here, just to, to give you give you a chance. Um, and I, I again, I, I just think um, you know this is a game where, where they sort of break out the young talent as you saw against K State, and uh, and with Bijan and, and Roshan, I mean those those guys can can definitely move the ball. I think on Colorado. So as long as Texas you know shows up and cares, I, I think they can they can uh, they can cover this ten. Mm. Based on the Texas team we saw against K State, which is not really similar to any Texas team we saw the rest of the season. No, but you know, no. We'll we'll, we'll see who sh- who shows up there. All right, Cotton Bowl, Florida is a two and a half point favorite against the Sooners. Jason, what do you think? Um, well, at the risk of antagonizing my loyal subscribers and listeners, I think. I think Florida is going to win the game. Uh, and given it's such a small spread, I guess I have to then say that Florida is going to cover uh, yeah. at two and a half. I, Oklahoma's defense has been so good this year, and I do not want to take away from that. I've been I've sung Alex Grinch's praises all year. They have not seen anything like this yet. 
um, like what Florida can do on offense, especially through the well, air. They, they saw it in the semifinal last year, but yeah. I mean this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying that it's going to be like that. I don't think OU will get humiliated the way they did last year in the Peach Bowl. But I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I look at this matchup and, and then you lose Trey Brown, uh, experienced veteran DB on top of that. I think this is a tough matchup. Uh, for OU in that way. So I, I, I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think Florida wins and covers two and a half. Yeah, I'm taking Florida to cover the two and a half as well. Um, just because I think, um, I, I just think there's not very many teams in the country that can do what they did to um, to Georgia and do what they did against Alabama. Didn't, didn't finish the job there against Alabama, obviously, um, because that's a superior offense that they went against. But, um, I just, I, uh, while I think that F- Florida should be ranked lower in the final CFP rankings, I, I, I thought that was kind of silly that they'd still be ahead of Cincinnati. It um, was at the same time. I, I would say, I just think this Florida team, um, is just going to spread you out and, and, and hit you for a lot of big plays. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous challenge for Alex Grinch and his defense, but I think Florida's going to put up enough points to, to cover and, and win. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. So, all right, Liberty Bowl. We talked about West Virginia and Army. West Virginia seven and a half. I've already pretty much made that made my case clear here. I think Army's going to cover, and I think Army's going to win. So, mm-hmm. I, I I do. I just think that's that line is is too big. Uh, I think the way Army plays, they're so unique, so different. Um, and and so yeah, I, I'm I'm taking Army. Yeah, I think I I would take Army plus seven and a half. I think West Virginia can win this game. Um, but it's going to be a grinder. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to, that'll be an exciting one to watch for sure. Um, all right, let's get through these last two, Max, Arkansas, TCU, TCU is a six point favorite. Go ahead. I'll let you go first. Well, I think this is probably one we can get on both sides of because I can see, you know, I could see TCU, uh, covering the six. I'll take TCU covering the six. I I don't I actually think these teams are pretty pretty evenly matched, but I think TCU the way that they finished the regular season, I believe they won four of their last five, started to figure some things out. Um, you know, I'm 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 I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that TCU is going to show up for this game and and uh you know, play play pretty well. Now, you know, again, We'll, we'll see who's missing from these kind of games, but I think TCU covers. You, you want to take Arkansas plus six? Give me, give me the Hogs. Give me, give me the Razorbacks. Calling the Hogs. Uh, yeah, give me, give me Arkansas plus six, and I'll, I'll even take it a step further. I think Arkansas is going to win. I think they'll win the game. Now, okay. I, but, but I could see it going either way. I really could. I like we said earlier, this is a really good matchup. This is a pretty even matchup. Um, but I, I will take uh, the Hogs to win Sam Pittman's first first bowl game as a head coach. Um, and last, but absolutely not least Oregon against Iowa state, Iowa state, a four and a half point favorite in the Fiesta bowl. Max. I don't know, man. I, I really, this one feels like a trap. I it's cause I think it is really a 50, 50 game, no matter what Oregon's record, you know, Oregon finishes 25th in the, in the CFP rankings only because they won the Pac-12 title. Um, I think it's a really, I, I do really think it's a 50 50 game. I don't know, man. What are you thinking? 
I'm going Cyclones. Give, give me the clones, man. I, I, okay. I think because I think they're motivated. I think coming off that close game um, and, and I think they're good up and down their roster on offense, on defense. I just think they're a good team with a lot of really good players. Um, and, and I also wonder if, you know, the fact that that um, that Oregon hasn't played very many games, if that if that maybe becomes a factor in this one. Yeah, I you know what? To, to help you out here, I'll go Oregon plus four and a half. Um, my, my only reason for this, I don't think Oregon's a better team. Um, but I do wonder if this is one of those games where you see the difference in one team having played, um, just a whale of a season and a real, you know, a real long, long fight here for Iowa state, um, where they had to really get up every week and play really, really good football versus Oregon, who I think is probably just fresher, you know, like, I think that that's probably the advantage here is, um, you know, Look, they can be more consistent, and we've certainly seen the bad side of them. Um, but the fact that they can, you know, they haven't played that many games, I think probably helps them in a, in, a, in a game like this. So I only to give you a chance to, you know, potentially tie this up or take the lead or whatever. I'll take Oregon plus four and a half. I think the I think the clones will win, but I think it's going to be pretty close. Well, that's very kind of you in the holiday spirit uh, here on Festivus to, to, to do that for me. Um, but no, I, what you just described is exactly why I don't think Ohio State should be in the playoff. Um, so I, I agree that, that that is absolutely a factor that needs to be taken into consideration. One of these teams is going to be way fresher than the other. But uh, in this case, I, I just... Oh, and the, and, and the Big 12 title game was, I'm, I'm sure you would say from watching up close, it was a really physical game. It was. You know? That was a slugfest of a game. And so I'm not saying Iowa State's going to be gassed for this one, but I think that uh, I think that that's that's an advantage for Oregon. That it's been a really long year for these guys at Iowa State who've done an incredible job since June of being back, doing everything right, not getting COVID, like you know, not having a you know a bunch of spikes and shutdowns and stuff like that. They've done an incredible job. The fact that Oregon has had I ultimately I think they've had a little bit of an easier run here. I mean, they got put in their Pac-12 title game as the number two team in their division because Washington couldn't go. Right. So it's just, it's been that kind of a weird year where they've gotten some breaks here that Iowa States, you know, had to earn everything, but maybe you pay a little bit of a price for that here at the end where it's just been a really long year and, uh, and it's a, it's a good opponent. So I think it's a close game. Yeah. Absolutely. Should be a good one. Well, thank you uh, for listening. Thanks to all of you for listening throughout the season. Uh, we've really enjoyed doing this podcast and and uh, and getting together every week to talk about Big 12 football. So those of you who have listened uh, and stuck with us through the year, we really do appreciate it and hope you all have uh, a great holiday season. Yeah. Th- thanks so much to everyone who's listened and who's, you know, supported us here in this, this first season of doing this podcast. We, we appreciate, uh, you know, all the feedback, good and bad, and we, we appreciate you guys, uh, you know, listening and, and taking a chance on it. Absolutely. Please subscribe to our show, One True Pod, on Apple or Spotify. Leave us a review and a good rating and find our stories on The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can sign up with our latest promotional offer, theathletic.com slash one true pod. You don't just get the best college football coverage, you get all of our sports coverage. So be sure to take advantage. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.